Welcome to Murder Minute. On today's episode, The Revenge Mother. But first, your true crime headlines. A Central California woman charged with murder after delivering a stillborn baby who tested positive for methamphetamine may be released on reduced bail as her lawyers argue that the state's homicide law does not apply to pregnant women, a position backed by California's Attorney General. 26-year-old Chelsea Becker has been in Kings County Jail since her arrest in November of 2019. Her bail was set at $2 million, but she was unable to raise it. A judge is expected to consider this week whether to release her to an out-of-county treatment center pending trial. She has pleaded not guilty. Prosecutors claim that the case is about stopping a woman who has repeatedly abused narcotics while pregnant, resulting in two other children who tested positive for meth at birth. The case has outraged advocates of pregnant women who say that prosecutors are trying to punish a woman who needs treatment not prison time, and they hope the charges will soon be thrown out. There is no evidence that drug use results in stillbirths, they say, and many worry that allowing the charges would discourage women from seeking needed prenatal care for fear of punishment. Lynn Paltrow, executive director of National Advocates for Pregnant Women, which is providing legal support for Becker, said, quote, We are deeply saddened, horrified, that this case has been continuing for 15 months, keeping someone incarcerated because she lost a pregnancy, which thousands of women do every year. Becker had delivered three live children and had no reason to believe that meth use would cause a stillbirth, attorney Dan Arshak said. This was a baby she intensely wanted to have, and she remains heartbroken that it resulted in a stillbirth, like any woman who has a stillbirth, he said, adding that the notion that she bore malice toward her child or intended it harm is, quote, just prosecutorial magical thinking. California's top prosecutor, Xavier Becerra, who is being considered for Secretary of Health and Human Services in the Biden administration, says that the law was never meant to apply to pregnant women and urged that the charges be dropped. But Kings County Superior Court Judge Robert Shane has declined to do so. Policymakers have debated the intersection of substance abuse and pregnancy since the late 1980s, according to the Guttmacher Institute, a research group that works to advance sexual and reproductive rights. The highest courts in Alabama and South Carolina have upheld convictions ruling that substance use while pregnant constitutes criminal child abuse. But numerous medical and public health groups, including the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, oppose punishment for drug use while pregnant. Two doctors in a letter submitted by Becker's lawyer said that there is no evidence that meth use is, quote, uniquely and fatally dangerous to the fetus. In California, lawmakers amended the state's murder statute to include a fetus after the California Supreme Court in 1970 overturned the conviction of a man who had beaten a pregnant woman, causing her to lose the baby. A 
attempts in California in the 1990s to use the law to prosecute pregnant women have failed. A 13-year-old boy has been charged with vehicular homicide after he crashed a car last Friday, killing a Tennessee man. Nashville police say the boy was charged in juvenile court after being released from Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. He was also charged with driving without a license and without proof of insurance. Due to his age, his name has not been released. The teen was driving a car that crashed into another car on Friday, killing 71-year-old David Cheatham as he left an auto parts store. Police said the boy was fleeing the scene of another hit-and-run crash when he ran a red light, swerved to miss another vehicle, lost control of the car, and collided with the victim's vehicle. A suspect wanted by police in three homicides in Ohio has died in Detroit after exchanging gunfire with police outside a motel in the city. 55-year-old Chandra Moore, who was wanted in Cincinnati for the deaths of his estranged wife, 28-year-old Brittany Wagner, and two men, 33-year-old Timothy Duger and 35-year-old Andrew Wesley, was shot by police outside the Rivertown Inn and Suites on March 1st. Detroit police were watching the motel when Moore emerged from a room and began shooting at officers. Police recovered three handguns, one semi-automatic gun, and two revolvers following the incident. Moore was pronounced dead on Friday after being in critical condition for four days. Moore was also accused of injuring a 17-year-old boy and a 51-year-old man. A Chippewa Falls woman has pleaded guilty to soliciting a hitman to kill her daughter's father. 49-year-old Melanie Schrader appeared in Chippewa County Circuit Court last week, where she entered the guilty plea to an amended charge of solicitation of first-degree intentional homicide. According to a criminal complaint, Schrader was arrested last September after she agreed to pay a hitman $10,000. She met with an undercover investigator in Irvine Park and made a $200 down payment, provided photos, and asked that the hit be done quickly, according to the complaint. Her sentencing hearing is set for April. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, The Revenge Mother. But first, a quick break. Everyone wants to keep their home and family safe, whether it's from a break-in, a fire, flooding, or a medical emergency. Simply Safe Home Security delivers award-winning 24-7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get an arsenal of cameras and sensors, you get the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back, day and night, ready to send police, fire, or EMTs when you need them most straight to your door. Simply Safe has an arsenal of sensors and cameras that protect every inch of your home. You can set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. It's easy. 
Then, Simply Safe's professionals take over, monitoring your home 24/7 and ready to send help the moment there's an alarm. Plus, with Simply Safe, there's no long-term contract, no hidden fees or installation costs. Right now, Murder Minute listeners get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/murderminute. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com/murderminute for your free security camera today. That's simply safe spelled S I M P L I S A F E dot com slash murder minute. This episode is sponsored by Apostrophe, a prescription skincare company for people who are ready to take their acne seriously. Prescription acne treatment really works, but it's not easy to get. And these days, no one wants to make an appointment to see a doctor and sit in a waiting room or stand in line at the pharmacy for your medications. Well, now you don't have to. With apostrophe, apostrophe makes it easy to see a board-certified dermatologist online. You'll get treated immediately, and your medications will be delivered straight to your home. Apostrophe makes reaching your skincare goals easy and COVID safe. Just fill out Apostrophe's online questionnaire about your skin concerns and medical history. Then just snap a few selfies, and your dermatologist will get back to you with a customized treatment plan tailored for your unique needs, all without leaving your couch. The bottles even come with cute customizable stickers to personalize your bottles. And the best part is that Apostrophe offers topical and oral medications so that you can treat your acne from the inside out and the outside in. And if you have other skincare goals like reducing redness, wrinkles, or dark spots, Apostrophe can help you with that too. Whatever your skincare needs, Apostrophe has you covered. Get $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com/murderminute and use our code murderminute. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, go to apostrophe.com/murderminute and click begin visit. Then use the code murderminute at sign up and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's a p o s t r o p h e dot com slash murder minute, and use the code murder minute to get your dermatology visit for fifteen dollars off. We thank Apostrophe for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome back to Murder Minute. Marianne Bachmeier was born on June third. 1950 in Sarstedt, Germany. Her parents had fled there from East Prussia after the war, because her father had been a member of the Waffen SS. Marianne's childhood was a difficult one. Ruled by a strictly religious, authoritarian father. Before long, Marianne's parents divorced, and her mother remarried. 
Marianne was later kicked out of the house as a teenager and found work as a barmaid. In 1966, at the age of 16, she gave birth to her first child. The baby, a daughter, was given up for adoption soon after. At age 18, she became pregnant again by her boyfriend. Shortly before giving birth to her second child, Marianne was raped at a disco. Her second child, another daughter, was also given up for adoption. But when Marianne became pregnant for a third time, she decided to keep the child. And on November 14, 1972, Anna was born. Following Anna's birth, Marianne was sterilized. By 1980, Marianne was a struggling single mother, raising her daughter and running a pub in Lübeck, in what was then West Germany. And by all accounts, seven-year-old Anna was a, quote, happy, open-minded child. But on May 5, 1980, after an argument with her mother, Anna decided to skip school. As she made her way to a friend's house instead, Anna was picked up by a neighbor, a 35-year-old local butcher named Klaus Grabowski. Klaus was a convicted sex offender. In 1973, he was placed on a year's probation after attempting to strangle a six-year-old girl. He then was sentenced to detention after sexually assaulting two little girls. While serving out that sentence, he was voluntarily castrated in 1976. At the time, the operation was performed on sex offenders in Germany in an attempt to prevent recidivism. Then, in 1978, he began hormone treatment. But these measures failed to cure Klaus Grabowski. He took Anna to his home and kept her there for hours, before strangling her to death with a pair of tights. Then, he stuffed Anna's body in a cardboard box and dumped it on the bank of a nearby canal. By evening, he was arrested after his fiance alerted the police. Klaus confessed to the murder, but claimed that he never sexually assaulted or abused Anna. Instead, he claimed that the seven-year-old tried to blackmail him. Klaus Grabowski said that he strangled Anna because she tried to seduce him and threatened to tell her mother that he had molested her if he didn't give her money. The accusation outraged an already devastated Marianne. Ten months later, in March of 1981, he went to trial at Lübeck District Court. 
Klaus Grabowski's defense attorneys claimed that Klaus was not responsible for his actions because he had acted out of a hormonal imbalance that was caused by the hormone therapy he received after being castrated during his previous sentence. Three days into the trial, on the morning of March 6, 1981, Anna's mother couldn't take it anymore. Marianne Bachmeier pulled a 22 caliber Beretta pistol from her purse and fired eight times. Six of the shots hit Klaus Grabowski in the back. As he died on the courtroom floor, the judge heard Marianne say, quote, He killed my daughter. I wanted to shoot him in the face but I shot him in the back. I hope he's dead. Two policemen also claimed to have heard her call Klaus a pig as he lay dead on the floor. Marianne Bachmeier was dubbed Germany's revenge mother, and her actions sparked intense public debate. Was the shooting an act of justice? Or was Marianne, too, a cold-blooded murderer? Though many sympathized with the grieving mother's actions, the law condemns vigilantism. Many believed that only severe punishment could protect the rule of law against others who would take the law into their own hands. In November of 1982, 32-year-old Marianne Bachmeier was charged with murder. During her trial, Marianne's lawyers argued that she was under extreme duress and couldn't have been held responsible for her actions. Marianne testified that she shot Klaus Grabowski in a dream and saw visions of her daughter in the courtroom. A doctor who examined Marianne said that when she was asked for a handwriting sample, she wrote, quote, I did it for you, Anna, and drew seven hearts, perhaps one for each year of Anna's life. I heard he wanted to make a statement, Marianne said. I thought, now comes the next lie about this victim, who was my child. The trial received international attention. The German news outlet NDR called it, quote, the most spectacular case of vigilante justice in German post-war history. In order to pay for her legal fees, Marianne sold her story to the weekly German magazine Stern, which ran a series of articles about the trial and Marianne Bachmeier's life as a working single mother with a troubled background. She was reportedly paid 250,000 marks for her story, equivalent to roughly $158,000. The press generated sympathy for Marianne, but it also fueled both ethical and legal debate. Was the shooting premeditated or not? Was it murder or manslaughter? A murder conviction 
could sentence Marianne to life in prison. Would that be justice? On March 2nd, 1983, almost exactly one year after Marianne executed her daughter's murderer, the board agreed on a verdict. After 28 days of negotiation, the Evening Independent wrote, quote, Marianne Bachmeier, who shot and killed a man on trial for sexually molesting and strangling her seven-year-old daughter, was found guilty of manslaughter today. A Lubeck court sentenced the 32-year-old woman to six years in prison. Miss Bachmeier's lawyers had argued that she was under severe emotional stress and was not responsible for her actions at the time. The verdict capped a four-month trial that attracted widespread attention in West Germany and Europe. Miss Bachmeier was touted in some circles as a symbol of citizen frustration over coping with rising crime. The prosecution last week reduced the charge of murder to manslaughter and asked that Ms. Bachmeier be sentenced to eight years in prison. Prosecutors contended Ms. Bachmeier had acted out of revenge and was in command of her faculties at the time. Defense attorneys argued that Ms. Bachmeier had had a troubled life and was mentally unstable. In a lengthy series of articles that appeared in West German media, Ms. Bachmeier recounted how, as a teenager, she had been kicked out of her home and raped at a disco. State Prosecutor Klaus Dieter Schultz, in requesting the charge be reduced to manslaughter, acknowledged there were extenuating circumstances. He also agreed with the defense that Ms. Bachmeier had purchased the pistol a week before the shooting to commit suicide. Marianne Bachmeier was sentenced to six years in prison for manslaughter and unlawful possession of a firearm. According to a survey conducted by the Allensbach Institute, a slight majority of Germans, 28%, believed that the six-year sentence was an appropriate penalty for the shooting. 27% considered the sentence too severe and 25% viewed it as too lenient. In June of 1985, after serving just three years of the sentence, Marianne Bachmeier was released from prison. She was deemed a suicide risk. She married the same year, and in 1988 moved to Nigeria, when her husband, a teacher, found work there. For two years, she lived with him there in a German camp, where her husband taught at a German school. In 1990, they divorced, and Marianne moved to Sicily, where she worked in a hospice in Palermo, until she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Following her diagnosis, she returned to a now unified Germany. Perhaps knowing that she would not be around for much longer. In September of 1995, Marianne appeared on a German talk show and admitted that she had shot Klaus after careful 
consideration to enforce the law on him and prevent him from further spreading lies about her daughter Anna. A friend would later admit that in the days before the shooting, they had witnessed Marianne performing target practice with her gun in the cellar of the pup. Marianne had indeed planned the shooting. The following year, she died on September 17, 1996, at the age of 46. Marianne Buckmeyer's final weeks were documented on film at her request by NDR reporter Lucas Maria Bomer. She never expressed any regret for shooting Klaus Grabowski. Marianne is buried in Lübeck, in the same grave as her daughter, Anna. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Stereo at Murder Minute.